0: Okay, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's um, Jonty Rhodes, if you've not met me. <laughs> uh, big, a big apology from uh, Jonty and all the Rhodes family. They're just suddenly very unwell, so they won't be able to come here. Um, so Jonty's texted me to ask if I could leave this morning. Uh, so this is not my material. I'm about to say, it'd probably be the best seminar I ever give. <laughs> I would say that, except to say I'm not very well prepared. Um, so we are sort of all give it a go together, but I think we can uh, be blessed by it very much. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, we don't get sort of the big crescendo. It's, it's the last of our Bible overview today, but I think we'll be blessed as nonetheless we look at the Word of God and we're encouraged by uh, what he is doing and where we're all heading. And uh, just this morning, we are going to see, uh, I imagine, one or two of our favourite verses in the Bible that I hope will encourage us enormously. Thanks, Alex. Okay, let's pray and then we'll uh, crack in. Father in heaven, we praise you that you are good and powerful gods and that we have uh, a wonderful story to live in, the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray today we'd see new things in your word. Father, please help me lead as unprepared as I am and please help us all look at the scriptures together. And would your spirit exalt Christ in our hearts, and would we treasure wonderful truths uh, that you have promised to us this morning? We ask these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. OK, so um, section 14 out of, I think it's number 14, anyway, 14 out of 14. I hope you've been to most of them um, Obviously, there's different ways of doing a Bible overview, and this one has been named the story of Emmanuel, uh, God with us. Sometimes that's been very, very obvious, hasn't it? How God dwells with us in the temple, dwells with us by his spirit, how he was walking in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden, but sometimes it's hard to see the wood from the trees. But I think as we get to the end now, we're going to see really clearly um, how the story of the Bible is God with us, and that God with us, Emmanuel, is the gospel uh, as well. Um, so, we've seen, um, just looking at the intro, um, in the Gospels. Remember, we, we saw the Gospels, I'm not sure if it was the last week two weeks ago, but we, we saw in the Gospels, um, the, the Gospels themselves are almost like to the end of the Old Covenant or the end of the Old Testament. Obviously, they're in the New Testament, but the end in the sense that um, they're still living in the days of the old covenant but it's pentecost when uh, god's spirit comes so the new covenant is introduced firstly by jesus physical coming uh, as a man but secondly uh, by the coming of the holy spirit and the question is is as the old testament is full of promises uh, just a second bullet point are all god's promises fulfilled are they all fulfilled when jesus comes um and if they are all fulfilled, are they all fully fulfilled? Um, so that's what we're going to consider today. And past all, it's really helpful to understand uh, when are God's promises fulfilled. Uh, because if we think God's promises uh, have come uh, already, but we're not experiencing them, it can be quite discouraging. But equally, if we think they've not yet come and they have, we're missing out. We'll think about that uh, in a bit. Um, but mostly we're just me uh, looking at Revelation. Um, so I'm just going to read out from the handout. Revelation is a complicated book, and there's much debate among Bible-honoring Christians as to its interpretation. And I guess if you've ever done the uh, Bible in the year, you get to Revelation at the end. And I guess by this time you're sort of flying again. You're sort of thinking, yeah, I really will complete it. But it is hard to understand, isn't it? There? There's lots of imagery that's going on. Uh, talking lots about, um, I guess what we talk about, the heavenly realms. Again, which much of the scripture doesn't talk about. And so much of Revelation is imagery from the Old Testament and often imagery from books that, again, we're slightly less familiar with, so particularly Ezekiel uh, and particularly Daniel uh, as well. But the big picture of Revelation is fairly uh, straightforward. There's a story, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard another preacher say it once, so I thought I'd nick it. And uh, there's this um, new convert, and he's um, reading the book of Revelation and his devotions. And so one, it's, it's, I think it's sort of broadly broadly... Uh, helpful but slightly patronising older Christian comes up to him and says, are you sure you're up to reading Revelation? It's a very complicated book. Why don't you stick to something more simple? He said, what do you mean? The book of Revelation is very simple. He said, oh yeah, what's it about? He said, it's about Jesus winning. The book of Revelation is all about Jesus wins. And I think that's really, really helpful. It doesn't um, obviously iron out all the details, but it's really helpful thinking it's, it's about the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, second bullet point, there's, there's also much debate over the period of time uh, before Christ returns. And again, I mean, I, I have to say I, I want to get um, a better read on this in terms of thinking about uh, what are our expectations when Christ returns. I think if we've seen in Matthew 25, 24 and 25, it's been really helpful, hasn't it? That in one sense, it, uh, irrespective of when Christ returns, we are told to be ready today. That's the call on us. Be ready, be ready, be ready. Don't be asleep. Um, don't be like uh, the five foolish virgins who weren't, weren't ready. Uh, don't be like the man who's given a talent uh, but doesn't use it. Uh, be ready. That is what we are commanded again and again and again. Um, and I guess that's also particularly important because even if even if you could say, well, I know that Jesus isn't going to return for 100 years' time, which you can't, but even if you could say, I know Jesus isn't going to return for 100 years' time, you don't know uh, when you're going to die. You could kill over over this morning. So it's, it's so important for us to be ready, to be ready, to be ready uh, all the time. Um, but that notwithstanding, there is uh, a distinction uh, as to when Christians think that Jesus will return. And are there any marks in history when Christ returns? So, again, you might remember that we looked at Matthew 24, you know, about the falling of the temple. And Jesus said, this must happen and it i won't return until this event has happened and of course that that event now is passed to us and that event happened quite imminently it was AD 70 the temple is destroyed as a sign of god's judgment on uh, institutional israel and then he would come but now that's happened and the, the question is are there any more of those types of events to happen and um Some of the events that people think, actually, these events still have to happen. Christ is not going to happen until these events occurred are listed here. But again, it's quite hard to know exactly what they might look like. But let's just have a read of them. So firstly, uh, the man of lawlessness uh, setting up power. So uh, we won't read through two Thessalonians 2. It's about sort of uh, 10 to 15 verses there. It talks about all this man of lawlessness and what he's going to do. And he is going to uh, persecute God's people and he's going to draw many people um, uh, to him to then persecute the people of God. And the reason it's quite a complicated passage is partly it's sort, of, it's sort of the only sort of passage of its kind. Well, even that's up to debate. So is the man of lawlessness the same as the Antichrist? And if he is the same as the Antichrist, uh, again, uh, John says in his letters, First John um, many antichrists have come so some people say actually there's yes the antichrist does have to come but actually many antichrists have come it wasn't just a a prophecy of one antichrist it's many antichrists and again if you look across uh, church history uh, you will you will see won't you many people who have set themselves up uh, specifically to persecute god's people so if you were living in north korea today you would easily be able to say yeah the leader is and you're a christian and you would easily be able to sort of um, interpret this, I'm not saying rightly, but you think yeah, surely this is the Antichrist um, Christians are totally systematically persecuted uh, you might, if you're in the, the, the Muslim world you might say the Antichrist has clearly come because uh, in the Arabic world Christians are so persecuted um, if you're in Cambodia you might say, yeah, surely it's Pol Pot he is, uh, uh, Christians are being systematically killed, it was something like only 10% of Christians um, weren't killed under Pol Pot in Cambodia in the 70s. Um, Again, there'll be many other examples uh, we could think of. So uh, you might include that, uh, the man of lawlessness coming before the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Uh, Second one, a great uh, return of ethnic Jews to trust Christ. So all of these things do have to come. It's not like, do they have to happen? They they absolutely do have to happen before Christ returns. But what's harder to say is what it might look like or or has it happened. Let's just read this one. So go to Romans um, 11, verse uh, 26. I wonder if someone might read uh, Romans 11, verse 26 to uh, 31. Any volunteer? Please go for it.
1: For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience. So they too have now been disobedient in order that by the
0: mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. Uh, thanks very much indeed, Emily. Okay, so you can see clearly it's talking about Christ's return. So 26, the deliverer will come from Zion. Uh, so that's the Lord Jesus Christ, obviously. Uh, then it talks about uh, there's a great, a great repentance outpouring the spirit to uh, the Gentiles. And then look at verse 31. Uh, so they too, that's um, the Jews, have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. Um, again, it's saying they've, they've been hardened that you receive mercy. But now there's a huge amount of mercy shown to the Gentiles. They're saying, actually, God is, God is a merciful God. We want, we want God's mercy as well. So... A great uh, conversion of Jews, uh, which, which has to happen. The question is has that happened? Uh, when will that happen? And then finally, uh, the third bullet point some form of millennium growth of the church. Millennium meaning a thousand year period, uh, possibly including the gospel going to all nations and all languages. Again, let's uh, go to Revelation 20 to see this for ourselves. And um, we'll be in Revelation 20. Um, Following, so let's get you there. Now, would someone please read verse uh, one to three? Sure.
1: Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain, and he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan. And bound
0: him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Thanks. Okay, so this thousand year period um, that's going to happen and where Satan is locked up that he might not deceive the nations any longer. So again, there's this idea of uh, when is this millennium? Is this millennium going to happen um uh, have we already had the millennium because the gospels come out um are we sort of in the millennium and things are going to get better and better and better as uh christians um uh return to christ or is there going to be uh, a millennium in the future again people think uh, differently there um, if you hear the debates you often hear i mean the three terms for it are sort of uh pre-millennialism post-millennialism and amillennialism and um this is not really something that talks about much in the UK church um, at all. I, I've rarely heard a sermon on it. I remember the last... The only sermon I was specific about hearing at it was... Uh, I went to a sort of theological <coughs> college at Wycliffe Hall in Oxford and some did a very, very brief five-minute sort of thought on it then. I think it's the only time I've heard on it explicitly and i preached any length. Um... But I think, um, well, we have some Americans here, you can ask them later. I think in the States, this is a bigger issue. They've thought about this more, and therefore it can be an issue that causes a little bit more, oh, you really think that? Oh, that's that's quite a big issue. Whereas here, I think no one's really thought about it at all. But it is important for us to realise, actually, that you know the, the future is mapped out by the Scriptures, and it is worth trying to understand it uh, as well as we possibly can. So there's some tricky things, but um, they're, 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 they're not all we want to talk about when we talk about the future and they're not even the main things we want to talk about as important as they are um let's think about the um uh the, the slightly clearer things or, or the um yeah the clear things so revelation 20 22. um so let's just read out some of these verses and just reflect on them. so revelation 20 verse 10 um and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So again, the comment here is, uh, Satan is thrown into the lake of of, of, so lake, of Hire, uh, lake of fire. Uh, he's not ruling over it. So again, I guess from sort of popular cultural cartoons, we think heaven is where God reigns and hell is where Satan reigns. And I was actually, you no, know, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ reigns everywhere. And actually hell is a place where Satan is in judgment. He's not there. Um, happy and ruling, having things his own way, way he's under judgment himself. Uh, let's read, uh, if someone else reads. Revelation 20, 11 to 14. Can I have a reader? Yeah, read it. Thanks, Roy. Then I saw a great white throne, who was seated on it.
1: From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw death, the dead great school standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in And they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second day.
0: that they fire. Thanks very much, Rory. Okay, so we've got this uh, judgment day, I, and it's really important to think about this in terms of sort of uh, three timeframes, have we heard? We, we have our life, uh, and then we have the time after we die and before judgment day and then we have the time after judgment day so in terms of sort of our existence they're, they're in one sense the three uh, time periods we want to think of in, in terms of our own um, not, not, not the history of creation the history of creation is just heading towards judgment day but if we die before judgment day um, then we either go to be with the Lord um, 2 Corinthians 5 which is a wonderful wonderful place to be um, Uh, Again, Apostle Paul in uh, Philippians, he talks about it's better to depart from the body and to be with Christ. It's much better to be with Christ. And when we die, we go to be with Christ. Uh, But uh, the final judgment is going to happen at a specific time. It's not a subjective thing. It's an objective thing where the Lord Jesus Christ will judge history. And then after after that judgment day, um, there will be the new heavens and the new earth uh, that we will get to. So the final judgment has, has even for people who who have died, if we think about our loved ones, they have not yet, the the final judgment day hasn't yet happened. That's not to say that the future hasn't been determined. We're not talking about a second opportunity for repentance after death. That's not what the scriptures teaches. But there will be a final day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns uh, to judge. Uh, and then uh, let's read um, someone else. Someone read, uh, Revelation twenty-one, uh, one to four, please. Twenty-one, one to four. Peter, thank you.
1: And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God.
0: And four as well, please.
1: He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things are passed away.
0: I think it's possible to get over familiar with this passage um, but it's such a shame when we do because this is a passage that should just give us total happiness and total joy and total delight when we think about it because it is a day in history. It's not like watching a beautiful film when we're imagining what if. It is telling us what will happen one day no matter what we are going through we have a certain future. Uh, and it is going to be wonderful and just drawing out a few things from it say so, uh, verse one a new heaven and a new earth uh, it's not it doesn't ju- i mean i think we think very often and the heaven and earth will pass away and that's it and then we will be you know we'll be spirits on clouds in we can't even you know, even clouds are part of creation aren't they so where are we I, I think that's often where we go to. But the scriptures want to be really clear with us. No, it's physical. The new creation will be physical and tangible. You know, sort of just as physical as this will be able to touch things. In fact, some people describe it as it, it'll be more real if you can um, get your head around that. Um, and then we have, this is when we're really coming back to some manual principle now as well. Um, uh, verse three. Well, um, yeah, verse three. Oh, sorry, we shouldn't miss the fact it's a wedding. I mean, who doesn't love a wedding? I'm, I'm just at the age now where I'm not getting wedding invites anymore because all my peers are married. So and that's why I'm getting, That's why am doing student ministry. So when they'll get married, they get an invite. <laughs> um, but, but, but who doesn't love a wedding. Uh, it's just a time of total joy and celebration, aren't they? For multiple reasons, and that is what the final uh, judgment day uh, is pictured as um, for those who are in Christ. Anyway, it's absolutely beautiful. Um verse 3 um, behold the dwelling place of god is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and god himself will be with them as their god now it's a sense of course which god is with us now by uh, his spirit but one day we will be physically with the lord jesus christ we, he, he he will he will return to earth and totally uh, renew everything uh Emmanuel. and then verse 4. I did find quite often that all my sermons were heading to Revelation 21, verse 4. But we're in Revelation now, so we can really enjoy it. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Again, I heard someone say, preaching on this passage, saying, if my wife is crying, then who can wipe the tears from her eyes? If I, if was crying and I saw someone else wiping tears from her eyes, unless it was her father, I'd be like, oh, you know, back off. This is, you know, this is my territory. Because wiping tears from someone's eyes is an incredibly intimate thing to do, isn't it? But who's going to wipe our tears from our eyes? It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I had someone else say something like, tears won't be banned in new creation. They'll be wiped away. Isn't that a wonderful thought? It's not like I have to get my act together. I can take my tears the new creation because that is where they're going to be uh, wiped away and uh, we s- see as well no more sin no more suffering no more death no more sadness and it's not insignificant that it says no more sin it's not just um uh so often again we talk about sin in terms of uh ha- how is how is our sin dealt with so uh, the penalty uh of sin um is dealt with at the cross isn't it and the power of sin is also dealt with at the cross we are no longer slaves to sin and yet we still do sin don't we and yet one day uh, sin will no longer be uh, in our presence sin will be completely wiped away and so we won't be able uh, to have a fall again we think about new creation wonderful but what if we fall again well sin will be totally banished and wiped away uh, there's a verse in there about uh, the imagery and the size. of a uh, biblical theological reference, twenty-one sixteen. 16. I haven't spotted it though, so we're going to move on. Uh, 22, uh, 1 to 12. Uh, again, let's look at this. Again, absolutely beautiful passage of scriptures. Will someone read uh, 22 and go up to, yeah, 22, 1 to 4? Can I have another reader? 22, 1 to 4? Yeah, thanks very much. Then the angel showed me the river, of the right as crystal. Flowing from the throne of God and of the land, through the middle of the street of the city,
1: also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruits, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His
0: face, and His name will be on their foreheads yeah okay so i mean obviously the picture here isn't it? it's of a city but it's a city in a garden isn't it we're going uh, back to eden except that all the bad things about Eden, the presence of sin has gone um and many of the um many of the promises of uh again picking up real, real language from ezekiel here fulfilled here <laughs> And um, again, there's that lovely verse, isn't it? Verse four. I think, Again, I think this must be one of the top five verses of the Bible, obviously subjectively, but um, then they will see his face. Can you imagine that one day seeing the Lord Jesus Christ's face, just being with him? Wouldn't it be wonderful? All your frustrations will have gone. He will fix everything at last. Finally. Again, you used to talk to Arthur about what will happen when Jesus returns. And he said, oh, we'll give him a cuddle. <laughs> and actually, I think that's exactly right. That is exactly right. We'll see him, uh, sort of a reverent cuddle, uh, but we will see him face to face. Again, the last one. there, the end is better than the beginning. Okay, we'll do some work ourselves now. So let's go to um, Isaiah chapter 11. Um, and as you're turning, I'll read out the question. Now, here is one of his Old Testament prophecies we saw a couple of weeks ago. They tend to speak of a coming day or day of the Lord's or New Covenant. As you, uh, as you look through the passage, take each verse and try and identify what is it talking about and when is it talking about, what conclusions can you draw about interpreting Old Testament prophecies and why might this pastoral? Why might this be important pastorally? When we say important pastorally, you mean uh, what difference does this make? How does this help us? So um, let's all turn. We'll we'll all read it together, actually, and then we'll just have discussion groups on our tables. So Isaiah eleven. Again, can I have a reader? We'll get through you all by the end. Can I have it? can I have another reader?
1: I'll read Alan. <laughs> Of Jesse, from his roots the branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest in him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be in his belt, and faithfulness the satchel around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and lion, and the yearling together, and the little child will lead The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play the cobras there, and the young child will put his hand to the his nest. There will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy
0: mountain, but the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cross. And go to, uh, yeah, fine, we'll leave it actually. Okay, just in the tables, have a look at those questions. Um, yeah, just have a look at questions. We'll, we'll just have five minutes for this and then we will um, just take some feedback. Great, for it. Okay, let's uh, let's draw together. Don't know how far you've got. Um, let's just take questions from the floor. Um, as you look at the passage, take each verse. We will go for each verse, um, but in particular, just the this, 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 this second uh, sub question there. When, what period are we talking about in Isaiah eleven? What period? Yeah. yeah so the future, like yeah which bit was the sort of which 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 bit did you see that was sort of obviously the beginning yeah the first few verses. Yeah. yeah and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him i mean that, where, where does that point to and any how does, how's that picked up on in Jesus coming can I remember it was about baptism. yeah baptism yeah yeah thanks baptism um yeah, and again, uh, Jesus talks about, uh, he picks up the Isaiah 61 passage, as the Spirit of the Lord uh, has come upon me to preach, the good, preach good news to the poor. Again, he's saying today that uh, passage has been fulfilled in your hearing. Yeah, so that's obviously all about it's baptism. And then, Emily, tell us, tell us which bits are not yet. <laughs> or, or for the future.
1: you
0: know speak the very same yeah yeah ultimately that way. yeah yeah thank you thank you and then of course there's that picture later on isn't there just picture of perfection uh, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the younger obviously well I'm not sure what the animals feel like in the new creation but obviously that is not yet is it whether we whether we interpret that literally or even as a picture of, of, of peace even amongst God's people that is not yet the case uh, so, the question is, what conclusions can you draw about interpreting Old Testament prophecy? Well, I guess we just talk about the, God's promises don't all happen, and once they haven't all been fulfilled in Jesus' first coming, they'll be fulfilled in his, his, his second uh, coming instead. Um, why is this important pastorally? Uh, let, let, let's come on to that in a second. If you just turn over, turn over the page. Um, so the theologians have sometimes called the time that we live in now as the period of the now and the not yet, or the now kingdom. We live in the kingdom now, but we also don't yet live in the kingdom uh, in its fullness. So there's a diagram here. I'm not sure we'll be able to... Um, well, let's just let's have a look at interpreting it. So the, the bottom arrow, um, or the bottom line along the bottom, we've got time uh, as we know it. And we see the cross has happened, so we're living after that time. But then there's a second, and and of course, sorry, and then go to the top arrow. That was when Jesus came down to earth, had his ministry and died on the cross. Now, still going on the bottom arrow, that is where we are. Jesus has not yet returned a second time. Um, And yet, of course, the top arrow is the arrow that points about how Jesus' kingdom has now come is now come. Remember, Jesus says uh, the kingdom of God is within you or, or is among you, how the Lord Jesus Christ does reign, and yet he is not um, fully returned. Um, so just looking at the bullet points then, the new covenant turns out to be completely fulfilled. Sorry, there's an error here. It says new covenant turns out to be completely fulfilled in one day. It should actually be is not, is not completely fulfilled uh, in one day. It commenced with the arrival of Jesus and in particular his death, resurrection, ascension and Pentecost. It continues in our day as the spirit is still poured out as people come to faith in Christ and start to have Christ their King. But it will be, it will be completed when Jesus returns. Therefore, uh, we live in an age of the tension. The kingdom of the age to come has begun, but not in its fullness. Now, two questions on the handout. Again, I just want you to briefly discuss and then we'll finish. What's the problem if we think that all the promises have come now already in Jesus' first coming? And what is the problem if we think that all Jesus' promises will only come true in the second coming? Just think what pastoral problems could there be if we think they'll all come in the first coming? But all, the, the kingdom of God in, in its entirety comes in Jesus' first coming or we think the kingdom of God will entirely come in Jesus' second coming. What problems can you think that we might have if we made one of those two mistakes? Just briefly, briefly chat. No. <laughs> okay, let me, uh, let me draw this together. I think my questions probably weren't very clear. But um, anyone, anyone want to just have a stab? What what problems might we run into if we think that all the blessings of Jesus' kingdom are on this earth now?
1: Why do I still get ill?
0: Yeah. Okay. Why do I still get ill? And and, and uh, why do I still get ill? And what might be the answer? How might someone answer that question if they think that all Jesus' blessings are, are meant to come now?
1: If I get ill, there's something wrong with me. I'm particularly
0: sick. Yeah. Either there's something wrong with me, or the gospel not true. Yeah. Um, what about the what about the flip side of that? Um, what's the problem if we think that Jesus blessings, Jesus kingdom blessings, only come when Jesus returns a second time? I think very often we actually this is actually how we tend to think in this way in our sorts of churches. I guess it will often mean that we don't uh, try and access the, resor- the resources that God has given us now to live. So we are people who live in the Spirit now. We can uh, defeat sin. Not perfectly, we'll never be sinless. But again, the Scriptures tell us to kill our sin daily. That is something we can do in the power of the Spirit. We will never do it perfectly, and yet we can uh, do it truly, nonetheless. A lot of it's about expectation management. We don't have uh, too high... Obviously, you can't have too high expectations of Jesus, but if you get the timing wrong, then it can affect your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's close uh, where it says, One story, God has always been building one house. Again, uh, Hebrews uh, 3 talks about um, Jesus uh, as... um, the builder of the house compares jesus and moses but whereas moses was was in the house jesus is the builder of the house it's been one story from start to finish jesus has been building his people and dwelling with his people from start to finish and it's been one people again we don't have time to look up the romans uh, passage but it talks about there being one tree where branches fall away and branches are grafted in but we are the same people of God as the israelites in the old testament sure there are differences between us but theologically we are those who share in the same blessings we have the same god uh, uh we have the same lord jesus christ and we share uh the same future and so the old testament is our story and we just got time to read this final uh quote which is a great uh <laughs> that if you're reading nine we're reading nine with uh, phoebe and arthur for the moment and, and there's so much of it. He has, he has a particular way of just picturing, picturing um, heaven, I think, which is wonderful. Let's read out C.S. Lewis' quote here. All their life in this world and all their adventures had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. I hope that's a, an encouragement to you as you struggle in this life struggle in this world let's keep looking forward to that great day the lord jesus christ will return he'll be with us we will see his face and then everything will be sorted out so let's keep persevering in him keep trusting him keep imploring him to help us obey him in the power of the spirit and let's keep hoping for the future let's pray lord jesus we thank you for the story of the bible we thank you uh, for what you have done in the past. And we pray that we would look ahead to the return of your coming. And we know that is one of the great uh, tools you give us to live, the, to live the life you command us, to look to the future. Life is difficult now. And yet the future will be only perfect. It will be only happy. It'll be only joyful will be only good. And Father, we pray therefore you'd help us persevere in the struggles and challenges of this life as we seek to fix our eyes on Jesus' return. In whose name we pray. Amen.